Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. My name is Ryan Berthelot, and I serve on the music team and in the kids' ministry. So I, uh, I grew up at First Baptist Orlando, and uh, uh, different chapters of my life were part of a couple different churches in, in uh, different capacities, and uh, you know, I uh, hit a point in my life where uh, I was, uh, I came out of this really cool church experience, like a house church experience, and uh, decided that uh, there was nothing like it, and, uh, and I couldn't find it anywhere else. And I struggled to uh, find a place that, that I felt like gave me the same experience. So, so when I showed up here on day one, uh, it was Sunday, I, uh, I had every intention on church hunting some more. And, and already in my head, I knew that I was not gonna be satisfied. So I, I started down a road that was gonna hit a dead end anyways. But coming here, it was just, you know, I, I thought I had more of a chance here because maybe I knew some people already, maybe had some relationships already, um, but it just wasn't gonna feel right. Nothing was gonna feel right. And uh, life group was slow starting. Um, you know, I, uh, a bunch of new people, save for a, co- you know, a couple of faces that I recognized and, and people that I knew. It, it was rough. The uh, relationships don't just, you know, develop out of thin air. And um, especially if you don't want them to. As slow moving as it was and, and acknowledging that each one of us in our walk with Christ was a challenge. And, and not easy, uh, started, uh, you know, lit a fuse, started relationships that I thought would never have developed. Just through some circumstances, discussions with people, you know, God showed me that it's, you know, it's not about the place, it's about the community. And, uh, and just learning how, how uh, fundamentally necessary it is for a Christian to have community. There are nights I still don't want to go. Um, but being there is, uh, is, is, an, is acknowledging that community life groups um, you know, have, have had an impact on me. God uses that to change me and make me more like Christ. All right, well, good morning again, Horizon West Church and guests and families. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to continue talking about what Ryan just set up for us on video. But before I do that, um, some of you may... Uh, not have been familiar with what you saw over here, uh, which could look like a number of things, but what it is, uh, is a board with pushpins on it of all different colors that represent a thousand gospel conversations that we believe God's called us to have as a church in the year 2020. Uh, Not the gospel being preached from a stage only, but a thousand conversations that happen as we go out into our communities, our networks, our neighborhoods, our classrooms, and among coworkers, and we share Jesus with individuals. And I want to share with you uh, two instances this week that God graciously stepped into. One is a neighbor uh, that I shared with you a week or two ago. I had crossed the street and just said, Chris, uh, if you would, I need some help. I need some support. And I was able to, to engage with my friend Leo, my neighbor Leo. And for the first time in seven years as being neighbors together, was able to pray with him. And, and this past Thursday, or rather Friday, Leo gave me the opportunity to go to breakfast with him. And I was able to name the name of Jesus and share my testimony of how God had delivered me and saved me and to share that with Leo. So God is up to something, but that's not all. 
A new family has moved into our neighborhood, and uh, though they wear Disney t-shirts all the time, they work at Universal Studios. No offense, I'm just telling you what is. I always have to remember, no, they don't work there, they just, okay. And uh, Stephen and Rachel, and and they have a three-year-old, and my kid said, hey, Daddy, can we go ask Isaac to play? Uh, And they're only a couple weeks into there, I said, yeah, we can go do that, and so Rachel and Isaac came out, and we got talking, and I said, you know, it's interesting to me, I said, did you know that both of your names are Bible names? And we got talking, yeah, that's a little pastor trick that I use, but (laughs) we got talking about church background and experience, and, and got to really uncover some of where their journey had taken them, and where they were, and to invite them to come to church. In fact, my six year old runs to the house, grabs keys, gets into the car, and runs up to us in the middle of our conversation, and goes, here's an invitation to our church. I said, Rachel, I promise that wasn't a setup, but thank you, Olivia, for for doing that. Um, And so I told Olivia, I said, baby, you get to pull a pin off this weekend. So I'm going to pull two pins off by the grace of God that he gave me opportunity again this week. And I want to encourage you. I want to keep this in front of us. I want to encourage you before, during, or after services, as you're having gospel conversations this uh, throughout the week, come and let's see those pins come off representing what God is doing in and among us, that revival can and in fact will happen among us. We have a vision at Horizon West Church to be a diverse community of good friends together doing good works and sharing the good news of Jesus. And that begins with our little babies and children that we dedicate to the Lord and it extends out beyond the walls to the people we interact with during the week. And so as we transition kind of from good news, I want to talk today about good friendships. That's what Ryan was talking about on the video as you just saw. Last week, I shared with you God's heart for relational community, and we established that biblically from Genesis to Revelation, that God's passion, he overflows, he explodes with a love and a passion for biblical and relational community. And so we did kind of a 30,000 foot view last week, and what I want to do this week is, is really zoom in and make it practical and talk about the benefits of relational community that I've personally experienced in the context of being in a small group. But to get there, I have to give you some context for my childhood church experience. When I was growing up as a kid, uh, we were that family that was in church Sunday morning for three hours, because we did Sunday school and service, came back Sunday night for Bible quizzing, puppetry, drama practice, and prayer meeting, came back on Wednesday night for youth group, and if there was a bake sale or a car wash on Saturday, we were there. And yet, my my Sunday morning church experience had two deficiencies. First, it was almost exclusively vertical rather than horizontal. We heard a lot about getting saved and having personal devotions after we were saved, which is good and necessary and important. The, the, The hymns that we would sing were like this, I come to the garden alone. You know that song? It was all me and God, but very little of me and other people. And there was a spiritual scorecard that we used in which we answered the question, how much did I do in the past week to make God happy, or how much did I not do that made him sad, me and God? It was not only almost exclusively vertical rather than horizontal, but it was all side by side rather than face to face. I want to illustrate this for you. My experience of church for the first 15 years of my life was only this. I never saw faces unless they were preaching to me. And I would stand and we'd sing, 
I come to the garden alone, right? I mean, that, that was the experience. Then we sit back down, wear my clip-on tie, <laughs> try not to fall asleep. And by the age of 11 or 12, I had made a, a decision subconsciously, but the decision was clear. I wanted nothing to do with this. <laughs> Church was boring, it was stale, it was dry. And so I decided in my 12 or 13 year old heart that I would find satisfaction outside of the church and it led to a lot of brokenness and it it led to a lot of pain and some of those seeds I have even reaped in recent years it was hard but fundamentally it was because I had decided I had figured out that that church was not for me so fast forward I'm 15 years old my life is a, a mess and yet I'm in Bible quizzing so I'm reading the gospel of John And John chapter 10, verse 10, comes across my 15-year-old eyes. And it's the words of Jesus in red letters. I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And friends, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I, I knew in my heart that one of two things was true. Either Jesus was lying, because that was not my experience with the church. Either Jesus was lying, which meant that the whole thing unravels and there's nothing left to stand on, nothing left to believe, Or Jesus was telling the truth, and there was something essential about the Christian life that I was missing. That summer, a a college student named Ed moved to our hometown and did an internship with our church and started a Bible study in my house. I'll tell you, sometimes when God wants to get a hold of you, he just comes right into your house. And that Bible study was called Brighter Days. And, And Ed, by the spirits moving among us, was able to take a youth group of apathetic, hard-hearted, bored-out-of-our-minds church kids and introduce us to something new. And it was in the context of a home group. And crazy things started happening. My youth group friends, who almost exclusively made fun of each other and talked about you know, the latest music and sports together, started having real-life conversations. Started asking each other, what's God doing in your life? We then took it outside of group and we started inviting lost friends from our schools and our sports teams and our bands to to come and to be part of this uh, Brighter Days Bible study. And some of those unchurched friends gave their life to Jesus. And I began to experience things in the Christian walk that I'd never experienced before and not coincidentally within two months at a youth conference in North Carolina, I stepped forward to say, God, I'm committing my life to full-time vocational Christian ministry. I want to do this. I want to be about the mission of God. I want to see lost people saved. I want to see lives transformed. And and in three months of a home Bible study over the summer or a small group, I experienced more of the life to the fullest that Jesus talked about than I had experienced in 15 years at a church. Now, those were good people, and they preached the word of God. And I thank God for Charlotte Good and Ken Hannum and Dortha Wiley and all the others, but the system felt broken. The system kept us from experiencing all that God has for us. So in a very brief time this morning, what I want to do is is share with you four essential elements of life to the fullest that I discovered by being in a group. And I got to give credit to Pastor David Loveless. He's uh, the group's pastor at our John Young campus. He and his team developed some of the content and material that I'm going to share with you, but it resonates so deeply and profoundly with my heart that I didn't want to miss the opportunity, and I hope you feel the same as well. The the first element of essential life that Jesus came to bring us 
that we sometimes miss is this, knowing and being known. Knowing and being known. See, when I grew up, subtly, no one intended it this way, but subtly I caught the idea that Christianity was about performing rather than connecting. Perform for God, perform for others. Perform for God, perform for others. And I began to learn in a small group that it's actually about connecting with God and connecting with others. That I could never perform well enough. This is the essence of the gospel, right? That, that God said, look, you're not going to make it on your own. I need to send my son, Jesus, God incarnate, to walk among you, to connect with you, to build a bridge of relationship with you. And I learned that it was about connecting and not performing. This is as different as the way of the Pharisees and the way of Jesus. The Pharisees taught performance. They kept the spiritual scorecard. Jesus taught a completely different way. Jesus taught that the Christian life is about knowing and being known. Now, we live in a day and age where there's something called social media. I relish the day where we all just decide, you know what? On Thursday, we're deleting all of our social media accounts. We're just done with it, right? We're we're all on because somebody else is on. But the things become a dumpster fire. Can we be honest about that, right? It's a mess. People, because of social media, are more linked than they've ever been in the history of the world and at the same time less connected than they've ever been. I looked this morning. I have... 3,347 friends on social media. And I've purged a couple times. Anybody else done a a social media purge? Most of those, I wouldn't know if they shook my hand after the service. And I asked the question to myself, how many of these friends really know how Nikki and I are doing in our marriage? How many of these friends would show up at the hospital if my family had a crisis? See, in a group context, what I've learned is I get to have more than Facebook friends. I get to have real friends. I get to have good friends, the kind of people that would show up at 2 in the morning if my family had a crisis. And if you're in my group and you didn't know, now you know that is my expectation of you. (laughs) There have been two times in the past three to four years in two different groups, not on week one, not on week two, But after a little time where somebody said through tears, I've never told anybody this, but, and they shared a part of their story. They couldn't share it here, right? This is good. This is necessary. But it allowed a level of knowing and being known that had never been experienced before. And it led to this, number two, essential part of the life Christ came to give us, loving and being loved. John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus says to the disciples in the upper room, A new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we must ask the question, is it possible to love each other the way that Jesus loved us one hour a week on a Sunday morning? I think we'd have to say the answer is no. Jesus loved generously. Jesus loved sacrificially. Jesus at times loved confrontationally. You ever heard of a guy named Peter? It's called love. And they knew each other well enough. And Jesus loved deeply enough to have that kind of a relationship with him. And my sense is that we probably all walk around with a little bit of a fear that goes like this. Yes, Chris, but if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. And so we 
hold this relationship and these relationships delicately. I can't expose too much. And yet, the truth is, until a person really knows you, they cannot love you. And so we sacrifice one for the other. In 2013, January of 2013, I had a coming clean session with my wife. I told you there was some brokenness when I was 12, 13, 14 that stayed with me, right? And several of you know that story, but I won't get into the weeds here. I needed to come clean. And as I shared with my wife what was going on in my headspace and the, some things I'd done and just some things I hadn't confessed, it was just like the grace of God began to be poured out over me. Because I didn't anymore have the thought, if my wife really knew, she wouldn't stay. All of a sudden, she knew, and she stayed. And it felt so good, I said, hey, baby, I think I need to talk to my boss, <laughs> who's the senior associate pastor of First Baptist Church of Orlando. And she said, can you pray about it for a little bit? <laughs> she said, you know you could get fired. I said, I, I know. And just to be clear, there was not marital unfaithfulness, there was not adultery, but there was, there was brokenness and there was sin in the camp. And so I scheduled a meeting with Pastor Danny DeArmas. I was a 29 or 30-year-old college pastor who was on nobody's grid. And I just said, hey, I just need to confess something to you because I don't know if you allow pastors to be here with, with, with you know, sin in their life. And, and he gave me advice. He said, Chris, this doesn't disqualify you. You are forgiven. You are free. Now walk in the light and lead. And every opportunity I got with the church came after that. And, and in, a, in a context where you are known and where you know, to hear somebody communicate the voice and the words of Jesus to you in that way is so life giving because here's the good news the one who knows you better than anyone else God loves you more than anyone else the one who knows you best loves you best and becoming known and then being loved by other followers of Jesus has been the single greatest way that I have experienced the love of mercy in God in my life to hear somebody look at you and say you are forgiven and you are free because of the word of Christ, we know that that is true when we confess. Here's the third essential element of, of living fully, serving and being served. Not being served like papers. I, I didn't realize as I said that, that would sound weird. But serving and being served by others. Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Pastor David Youth, our senior pastor at First Baptist Orlando, says we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. It's one of the reasons we talk a lot about it here at Horizon West Church. We want you serving. We want you pouring coffee or holding a door or playing the bass guitar or singing. Or Some of you, we don't want singing, but we want you doing something to serve, right? Because it's not just about what we get from you, but it's about what happens for you when you serve. You take a step in the direction of Jesus. You become more like the one who came to be served. And it's interesting that Jesus says not to be served. Now, what you need to hear that is, this is not Jesus saying, I refuse to be served by other people. We know that Jesus was served. There were women that, that walked with him and actually supported him financially and, and, and were the only ones who stayed with him at the cross besides John. So women, there's a shout out. You were the ones who stuck, right? You were loyal. You were faithful. Did you know that the first person Jesus appeared to after his resurrection was a woman? Why? Because women served Jesus. They supported him, and he accepted that. He received that, yet it wasn't the motivation for which he came. 
He wasn't like the Caesars and the Herods and the kings who came to be served. Jesus came to pour his life out. And yet being served is essential. Here's why. You you can serve someone without humility. Right? You've seen people that serve and then they pat themselves on the back and go on. You can serve someone without humility. It's hard to be served if you don't have humility. You ever had somebody like wash your feet? Have you ever somebody, had somebody give you an enormous financial gift and you're like, oh man, this feels weird. I don't like this. I like to kind of have the upper hand. Serving and giving I can do takes humility to receive. Here, here's why I think being served is such an important part of that equation. One, not only because it demonstrates humility. Number two, it also acknowledges limitations. If you've never heard it before, let me say to you, you are limited and when Paul said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me he wasn't saying I'm limitless he was saying I can endure I can have a lot I can have a little I can have nothing I can do it all I I can get through all of it but Paul himself was dependent on other people who served and met his needs so so being served demonstrates humility acknowledges limitations and it, it affirms the value of others People are blessed when they serve. So don't take that opportunity from them. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm always the one. You don't serve me. You're, you're shortcutting what they need from God. They need the opportunity to serve just as you do. And experiences of being served and, and serving in a group context, I've seen this firsthand. I've seen a group come around somebody and help them pay a bill when there was need. I've seen groups show up at the hospital before and or after surgeries. I, I've seen groups take meals to a family that just had a new child. I've seen families jump in as a family was adopting or fostering and come alongside and families in their group help out with that. I've seen group members pray for and then follow up with someone who's going through a tough time. Serving and being served. Being served and serving is essential to life and it's part of being in a group. And number four, essential part of life to the fullest, celebrating and being celebrated. Now, that word is a little weird, right? Of all of them, you're like, yeah, check, check, check. And you're like, wait, celebrate? I I didn't think we were supposed to celebrate ourselves or make much of ourselves. But here's what it says in Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. My hunch is that sometimes as a church, we're better at the latter than the former. We'll go there with people who are hurting, right? We'll walk with them. We'll pray with them. But what, what happens when somebody is just going through an incredibly great experience with God and what if that great experience in their life takes them to Baltimore Maryland and they're no longer here anymore and yes I'm a little bitter but it's okay right (laughs) most of you won't get that but I love you David and Jenna it's gonna be hard okay celebrate right celebrate with those who are celebrating rejoice with those who rejoice 57 times in the New Testament we find the word rejoice Jesus didn't come to initiate a funeral procession he came to initiate good news life to the fullest we have a king we have a savior it's good and sometimes that goodness just explodes in our life and group members can walk with us and cheer with us and celebrate with us what God is doing among us to celebrate and be celebrated is not a small part of God's plan for his people if you've ever been to a child's birthday party you know that children like to be celebrated right smash their face into the cake and they presents and they're kind of rude about it like I didn't want that. You you know, it's like, whoa, you know? And so like, 
as adults, we learn that, like, we're not to be celebrated. You know, we're more stoic. And now I don't even remember how old I am, you know. But doesn't it feel good to be celebrated? Doesn't it feel good when somebody notices and remembers and, and, and sometimes just kind of makes a big deal of your life because you matter to them and you're special to God and you're here and we celebrate with one another? I was in a group three years ago or so where eight of the ten women in the group got pregnant in a calendar year. Um, and Nikki was one of the only ones that didn't and we were okay with that at that time. But there are some times where a couple is walking through tough things, praying, desiring to have children. God, please bless. Please open the womb. please. And we weep with them as they walk through that struggle. And I've also seen us celebrate with them when God opens the womb or when God opens the door for fostering or adoption and they become parents and we celebrate. It's like, God, this is good. This is awesome. We're in life together. We're in community together and we celebrate and we are celebrated by others. I want to close this morning by doing something a little out of the ordinary. I want to invite my small group to come up at this time. Um, and, and I'm going to have just a little chat with them to close this. We're going to talk about some of these things. I, I wanted to not just give you the overview and then kind of give you the practical. I wanted you to see it flesh out just a little bit so they can come up at this time. While they're doing that, turn to somebody near you. It could be a spouse, a sibling, a friend, somebody that you came with. If you don't know anybody here, you can just stare at your phone like you're doing something, okay? But I want you to answer this question. My, my, my sense is that the latter half of those four essentials is where the rubber meets the road. W what is it like to be known, to be loved, to be, to be served, to be celebrated? So I want you in just two minutes, you get two minutes, turn to somebody next to you and talk about which of those is tough for you. Tough to make yourself known, tough to allow yourself to be loved or served, or maybe tough to be celebrated. You guys go ahead and come up. Two minutes, turn to somebody near you and answer that question for yourself. Go. So guys, this is, this is what we're going to do. And as you can see, one of the things that happens in home groups sometimes is that you have to sit on an armrest because there's not quite enough chairs. That's okay. That's okay. So I'm going to sit here. Um, why don't we do this? Just introduce your name, um, and then we'll just kind of go all the way around just so everybody warms up their voices. Go ahead. I am Curtis Kramer. This is my wife, Tanya. Tony Deal and my wife, Paula. Ryan Berthelot, this is my wife, Lauren. Peter Roloff, and this is my wife, Jessa. Uh, we, we do allow women to talk, so you're allowed to do that as well. Not sure what it, but that's okay. It just kind of it just kind of happened that way. That's good. That's good. Um, this is completely unscripted, but this is our group. We meet on Wednesday nights. Um, Kurt and Tanya are uh, the host and facilitator of that group. Um, I wanted. Uh, it's also interesting, Ryan. You were obviously on the video early, which is one of the reasons I wanted you up here. So not to put you on the spot. Um, one of the things that you said, Ryan, was just, you know, it, it, was, it was a little tough at first, and, and I've had the experience of 
sometimes getting ready to go to a group and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to go tonight. You know, like life's busy and things are, and it's easy to go, well, we'll just kind of skip tonight. But every time I get over that and I go, I'm like, oh man, I'm so glad I'm here. So t- talk just for a minute or 10 seconds about that experience. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's exactly like you said, um, especially meeting new people, people you're not familiar with, it's, uh, you're wondering, you know, is it worth it, you know, right. going in and feeling uncomfortable when I can, you know, stay home or go out to the spot that I usually go with and just do what's normal, do what's comfortable. And um, none of that's, you know, ultimately none of that's what God intended for us. None of that is included in the category of life more abundantly. Mm. And, yeah. um, you know, to experience life more abundantly means to step out of what you uh, consider comfortable and normal. And so the... The discomfort part of the of the of the uh, community group life group was just part of that, and uh, yeah. it like you said, it's worth it once you go and you see it. And I, right. Lauren can attest to that as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm curious, how many of you guys would identify as introvert on the on the scale of introvert extrovert? About okay, I'm kind of in between. A lot of us are probably kind of in between. Um, Kurt, you're an introvert, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. Um, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kurt and Tanya, what, um, you know, you've been in, done a lot of ministry, been in church life a long time, um, both with this group, but also in other group experiences. What, what are some of the benefits that you've seen, both being a member, but also being a leader in, in group life, just personally, and then even maybe in your marriage and, and things you've seen God do? Um, I would say number one thing is just personal growth, um, as a, as, as a, as a husband, um, and then jointly growth as a couple, mm-hmm. uh, preparing uh, for the study, preparing for the week, discussing it, talking about it, um, has really enhanced um, our marriage. Um, the other part is is just you know developing relationships with new people, um, and and really people from all sorts of backgrounds, and um, and, and developing a deepened relationship where you are really investing in people's lives mm-hmm. um, and then they in turn invest in you yeah. you know started out thinking maybe we would bless mm-hmm. some couples and and actually we have been really inundated with blessing mm-hmm. because of them um, and it has really been it's I look forward to Wednesday night mm-hmm. um, it's not there's no pressure on it we kind of keep it low-key um, but it is it all Everything goes around God's yeah. word. Everything is about what God has to say in his word um, and in the application in our lives. So, Yeah, yeah, and, and that really marries that vertical and horizontal because I don't want, you know, we're stressing the horizontal aspects of life together in community, but not at the detriment of the vertical, right? And, and, and group, as I said last week, it allows us to marry that in a unique way uh, where our, our relationship with God is front and center, but it's in the context of each other. Um, and where there are times where we just kind of put the curriculum down and just pray with somebody or just open up or, or it takes a route maybe we didn't plan for, um, but we follow it because we know God's up to something. I'm curious, did, did everybody know at least someone in the group moderately well before joining or was anybody, you guys were? We did. We did. You did know, okay. You knew Ryan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you knew me, Chris. You knew me. We, but... Um, Fair to say most of the group, it was, you didn't know, right? You kind of walk in and go, you know, okay, here, here we are. We're showing up. We don't really know what to expect. Um, and, and then out of that and through that, getting to form those relationships. And Tony and Paula, you guys came in a little bit later. The group had been going for a little while. 
Um, and uh, what was the experience of kind of coming into an existing group and just going, hey, we're here and we know these guys and, and that, but talk a little bit about that. A little bit to your point that you're coming into a group where you don't know people. Yeah. Um, the church setting is a great place to be fed the word, mm. but the group setting is where you really delve into it and then from other experiences can pull from the word and, and apply it. So coming in and not knowing two-thirds, well, actually three-quarters of the group, we right. really only knew um, yeah. two, that right. it, was a, it was daunting, but yeah. now it's very comfortable and it's awesome. pretty exciting. That's awesome, Tony. And what I hope you're hearing is nobody, I mean, very few people, uh, I shared with you last week, I met my wife at her front door. That's another story, but most people don't. It's like, that's a little uncomfortable. I need to kind of know some people, but even just knowing one or just knowing two and, and like Ryan said, going, you know what, but I'm going to, I'm going to get over that and I'm going to give this a week or two or three weeks and see if it catches. And, and so often we see that happen where people go, man, I can't imagine now not being a part of a group or not having had this experience. Um, and so while these guys are still up here, I want to just share with you that this Thursday, as Reed said a minute ago, uh, we've got our group's launch party. Uh, that's going to be happening in downtown Winter Garden. If you're not yet registered with the group, this is an opportunity to put your name in the hat and, and we'll kind of go, man, I think based on your seasonal life and location, this may be a good group for you, but it's an opportunity to meet other people, to meet leaders, and, and to really gauge if that's something you want to be a part of long term. It's free to attend the event. We'll even pay for your babysitter if you have uh, child care needs. So come out this Thursday night, and there's a way to uh, register for that at the back. So guys, thank you for coming up and just kind of letting us talk off the top of our heads. Again, no script to that other than just to kind of hear from a pretty normal group of people, right? I mean, like, we're just normal dudes and, and dudettes. Is that a word? No? Okay. Um, and, uh, and we want you to know that group life is really for everyone. It's something we believe in for everyone. So, Tanya, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you mind praying for us? Um, and, Tanya, after you pray, we're going to be dismissed. I'll be in the back in a green T-shirt. There's others in green T-shirts as well. And we'd love to help you get registered for group launch party. Tanya. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.